Are you drinking? Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, here we go. Here we go. He is so angry and on a different level. Welcome into this edition of Road Tripping with RJ and Channing. I'm your host, Allie Clifton. We are fueled by the Blue Wire Production Podcast Network. Uh, we have a very special guest. Clearly, you see that Richard is in rare form. Um, it is not even noon yet on the West Coast, and he's already had to take the bottle to his head. That's fine. Our guest today is is brought to us through a connection of this thing called TikTok. You all know Richard is obsessed with TikTok, loves TikTok, and has come across this wonderful human being. Uh, he's known as Jermaine the OG, but I'm going to let Richard explain how he now ends up on road trip. And first of all, Jermaine, hello and welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. There's a lot of stupid people. There's a lot of stupid people. Can you guys hear me? Yes. This is now yes. too loud. But don't. There's a lot of stupid. There's not. I know. I know. There's a lot of stupid people online. I don't, I don't pay attention to a lot of people, but every once in a while you'll come across somebody there. You're like, okay, they don't say completely stupid shit. And then you listen a little bit more and you're like, okay, that actually makes sense. And then you listen a little bit more and you're like, okay, like I actually fuck with this individual. So then I jumped into his live randomly and we just had a great conversation and there are very few people that you run across. I like, honestly, there's only one person on this podcast that I actually respect their opinion and that's Allie. So like, <laughs> it is very, very hard to find people that you respect their opinion. And so that's how we got to OG. And so OG, I don't know if you're familiar or if you've ever heard of road tripping. Um, I'm just kidding. You're a basketball guy. You've definitely heard of road tripping. So welcome, welcome. And I apologize for anything that Channing says in advance. Oh, I'm liable to say anything. I've moved into the right neighborhood. I'm, it's clear that I'm going to fit in right. I'm going to fit in just fine here. No, no problem. Okay, so we're going to get into a lot of basketball talks because if anyone follows you on TikTok, you answer a lot of questions. You give your opinion. You were breaking down film the other day uh, of the Nets-Milwaukee game, uh, specifically a screen hedge that did not go well. Uh, with that said, I know it made you very upset. Who's I know, Channing. and hedging <laughs> in 2022 against the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, the exactly. Nets did that? So, yeah, yep. Yeah. But no, the oh. Bucks did that against the Nets. With that said, though, before we do, just to give our listeners a little bit more uh, clarity of who Jermaine is, where you come from, et cetera, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, so we can get to know you a little bit. And how you started on TikTok. <laughs> I was born in Jersey City, New Jersey. I uh, grew up there. I went to high school in Jersey City. I went to the, I went to the famous St. Anthony High School, graduated from there, played two years there. Um, from there, I Went on to play two more years of uh, junior college basketball. I went to uh, Champlain College in Burlington, Vermont. We had a top 10 team in the country, and I was a starter on that team. Um, from there, I went on to play uh, two years at Utah State. Um, from there, I graduated, got my degree, and I taught history for a year and a half in high school. Um, I found out that I wasn't a school teacher. It didn't take long for me to find that out, but I found out that I wasn't a school teacher, and I moved on. I ended up working in a as a corrections officer in the penitentiary. I did that for two and a half years. I worked Ooh. in both the adult and the- That's the what? same as being a yeah, school exactly. teacher. Which one was harder? <laughs> I, I, that sounds like a safer fucking it, it, job. I was just getting ready to say, it's actually, it, it wasn't as difficult as being a school teacher, to be quite honest with you, because most of the people there, they just want to do their time and go. They don't, they, they, it's not extracurricular nonsense, no. So I did that for two and a half years. And um, from there, I worked for JetBlue Airways. I did that for 10 years. 
uh, I was a ticket agent. So Channing, when you come up to the ticket counter, that's me making sure that you don't get a middle seat. You get a seat in the aisle. But if you give me any nonsense, Ooh, I promise you, dog. you will be sitting in the back in the middle seat. I promise <laughs> you. And you, will get, you get no information on whether your flight is late or if it's canceled. I'm giving you none of that. And we might lose your bag. That's all I'm going to say about it. We might. <laughs> lose your bag that's all i'm gonna say about that so um from there i ended up uh getting my cdl and i drove a charter bus for two and a half years i did that so the next thing that i know my buddy my good friend my best friend tells me about tiktok he goes my kids love this and you need to bother with it i'm not a social media guy i never really was because i I always thought that it was a lot of nonsense but i ended up getting on there one day and i liked it and there was a guy who was talking about Michael Jordan in 1985-86 season, everybody talks about he doesn't have any help. He didn't have any help with the Bulls, and he had help with Orlando Woolridge. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. I was around during that time, and no, he did not. That team was absolute trash, and I ended up answering that. So next thing I know, I'm getting questions about, (laughs) well, what happened with this with the Bulls, or what happened with this with the Lakers? And then it just kind of turned into somewhat of a phenomenon. And Yeah, well, and what's crazy is that that actually makes sense. I knew nothing about your backstory. The fact that you played at St. Anthony's, like one of the most like prestigious high schools in this actual country, right? Like, correct? Yeah. Wait, number two in the country. Yeah. Like the fact that you played at St. Anthony's, like, I didn't know you were from Jersey or you had a connection there. Like for people that don't know, like that's, you know, Bobby Hurley senior, Bobby Hurley junior, like St. Anthony's. I think he just retired a few years ago. I believe Woj wrote a book, wrote a book on him. Um, it like, it, it's really one of, it's like Damatha. It's, it's, uh, St. Anthony's out on the West coast. It's modern day. Uh, you know, there's only, <laughs> you know, West Harvard, West Lake is one of those schools. St. No, no. Arizona has none of those on that list, but, um, but yeah, so that, but you know, again, that, that so much of it, you just telling a little bit about your backstory, where you came up where you played and then you studied history because you know the fuck out of basketball. He's one of the few people that I've ever actually talked to or listened to and learned shit from. So I think all of our listeners are in for a good treat and go follow him on TikTok and Allie on TikTok and me on TikTok and Channing at some point in time is going to stop being a fucking clown and join. Never. Okay. Never, (laughs) never tough guy over here. (laughs) He is real quick. We'll, We'll drop this a couple times. C H L T W N thirty two on TikTok. We'll drop it a couple times. That is who Jermaine, uh, the OG is. That sounds like the password they give you when you can't decide your own. <laughs> okay, little did, little did you guys probably know this though, but one of your first conversations or um, invites onto TikTok was about Michael Jordan. Channing has his own story about Michael Jordan. I wonder if you guys would agree. What? Oh, where I was trolling yeah. the whole world. <laughs> Well, I just, here's a, here's a backstory. And I've told this story a thousand times. I hate that people acknowledge Michael Jordan, but don't acknowledge Kareem or Wilt or any of the other greats. And that they're just like, it's Michael Jordan or it's LeBron. It's not that. Like if we were going to say the greatest basketball player from high school, college pros on is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And it's not even, that's not even, it's not even close, but the conversation between Jordan and LeBron when people make these like barbershop arguments, I they go, well, LeBron lost four times, six times in the finals. And I was like, well, Jordan shot every time. Like all he did was shoot, right? That reference turned into a big thing. Now, if anybody ever listened to anything I ever say, I think in my world, Jordan is 1A and LeBron is 1B. It just depends on where you grew up, how you grew up, the evolution of the game, the evolution of basketball. But 
for me, I don't like barbershop arguments. Like at least have informational stats and give credit to everyone you're supposed to give credit to. If Tim Duncan's not in your top five players of all time, you're not watching basketball. And that's that's a fact. That's a fact. Do you, do, people wait, don't like, do you have Tim Duncan ahead. in your top five? I do not, but you can make an argument. I was the greatest Duncan. power forward of all time. Oh, okay, well, well, well have him break Hold down on. his list. That's see, you're talking. No, okay, see, this is the thing. You get, sen- you get sensitive really quickly. This is sensitive. why you don't like. You just like, uh, really, really, really? All I'm, I'm saying. You. I'm sensitive around you. you well, okay, me. allow, allow. So the, logic is, so the logic is simple. I have James, Jordan, Jabbar, Chamberlain, Russell. Magic, Bird, Duncan, Lajuan, Diesel. Now, the reason why I have those five, right? Every major record in NBA history to this day, Wilt hasn't played in the NBA in almost 50 years. Has Wilt's name attached to it or had his name attached to it at some point? You cannot tell the story about the NBA without Chamberlain. Everything. We're talking about going going as far back as his team is the only team in the 60s. If you can imagine in an entire decade, his team is the only team to beat the Celtics. No other team in the 60s beat his team. So we're talking about records. We're talking about a team that had the most wins in a single season. That would be Chamberlain's team. The Lakers won 33 straight games. Chamberlain is attached to that. Who averaged the most points in NBA history? That's Jordan. He broke Chamberlain's record. Who pulled down the most rebounds in, an, in, in a game in NBA history? Chamberlain did that. He happened to do that against the arguably best Defensive player in the history of the game in Bill Russell, who held the record previous to him. I mean, I can go on and on about Chamberlain. So Chamberlain is number four for me. And the number five is Russell. And the reason why Russell is number five for me is because what is the gold standard for greatness in the NBA? Championships. Championships. It's winning. So and if, if that's the case, Russell should be at the top of the list. Well, you know, he never averaged 20 a game. In fact, he did. He averaged 20 twice and he did it in the playoffs. He went 20 and 20. In fact, he didn't average just he didn't average 20. He went 20 and 20 twice. Not to mention, how are we talking about a guy today who goes 30 and 40 in game seven of the NBA finals? How are we talking about that guy today? Which is a record that still stands to this day. We haven't we haven't seen anybody close to that. Since he did, did he get that. forty so think, rebounds, bro, in a game. In a game, that's not even and real. not just one game, RJ. We're talking about in Game Seven. This is for all the marbles, right? The season is over after this game right here. It's not like we move on to the next round. Season is over. So, well, and, and, can, and really quickly, how many times? How many times did Bill Russell beat the Lakers in Game Seven? More times than we can count. Absolutely, more, more times, count. Some, yeah, more, more times t- than we can more count. More times than we can count. Absolutely. So. Those are my top five, and I can appreciate Duncan being in the top five, but I have him right outside the top five. When I think about Magic being revolutionary at his position and being that guy, just like Duncan, from day one, we're talking about Magic, who was first-team All-NBA nine times in ten years. And we got robbed, by the way. We got robbed of those four years when he came back. Magic, for me, retired in 91. He didn't retire in 95, 96. We got jerked those four seasons where we didn't have him. We got robbed those four seasons. When I talk about Bird, we still haven't seen a guy to this day who's been a league MVP. In fact, he set the record. Three straight league MVPs. We haven't seen that since. he. We've, we've seen guys do it four times in five years, three times in five years. Bron got it in. Bron did it in three and four, right? Actually, he did it four and five. He did it. Yeah, he did it. Four and four he, and four he, and he five. Did, he did He's still grumpy about Derrick Rose. Yeah. He did it four and five. Not, 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 not at Derek. Not at Derek. Not at Derek. Because obviously Derek is great, but he as a competitor. Well, why is Shaq mad at Steve Nash? When, well, when I think about that MVP race that year, I mean, I can appreciate Shaq going. I think he went twenty-two and I think he went twenty-two and eleven that year. And Steve Nash went eighteen. He went fifteen and thir- sixteen and thirteen. I'm sorry. And 
they had a they they I think it was this offensive efficiency that was more than anything with Steve Nash. And you can you you can make that argument, but I mean Shaq does have a legitimate argument for being a league MVP that year. Yes, he does. No question about that. He he absolutely does. So So my question is this, and like <clears throat> obviously the game was so different. There wasn't as many teams. The schedule was different. We're talking about Bill and Wilt. How do those records translate? Now, in today's game, somebody getting 40 rebounds is, is unheard of. It just, it just, you can't do that. So, like, how much do you take, like, okay, well, number one, the level of competition, right? Which could be even. And then also the travel, right? Because I think there was how many teams in the league? I think there was only 16 teams in the league, correct? Nine. So, like, right. So, how much do those records carry over now that they're playing 29 other teams across the country and now this is an international game so like our best arguably everyone who's going to win an award last year and this year is an so, international player so, right so what, Except what we can do is we'll groups. start the conversation with the nine teams so with the nine teams that means that the better competition right. i have to see them more frequently so if you can imagine having to see Olajuwon, if I play the five, I only have to see Olajuwon if I play in the Eastern Conference twice in a year. Well, imagine it's October and I got to see Olajuwon 12 times before Christmas. <laughs> I mean, I think that that makes things a little bit that 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 makes things a little bit different, right? So we can start the conversation there, and then we'll move forward where we're talking about Chamberlain in the '62 season when he averaged 50 and 26. Well, those numbers were adjusted due to pace. Right, due to, due to pace and possession, those numbers were adjusted. He would average today at that pace. He would average 29, 13, and four. So, if you can let me know real quick, Channing, what's 29, 13, and four today? Who is that? MVP? Joe, either. I think Joel that's Embiid. Yeah, I, th yeah. I think that's Giannis. And how are we talking about Giannis and Joel Embiid as of right now? I mean, they're automatic Hall of Famers. Well, and, and, but, and, and, and really quickly, to, to this is what I've always tried to tell people. Because the game has grown, because the people that have have helped grow the game, MVP like Michael Jordan and the Dream Team, and you know, I stand by this. Will uh, not will Bill Russell's eleven is equivalent to um, is equivalent to the cream. Cream have six championships. I think Bill Russell's eleven is is equivalent to Kareem's eleven. Uh, I think Bill Russell's eleven. Is equivalent to, to yeah, Kareem six is equivalent to, to Michael Jordan six is equivalent to uh, to to Kobe's five is equivalent to Bronze because the game keeps growing so it becomes exponentially harder to dominate your era so like it gets harder and harder to do that because like instead of having. 200 million people that play basketball. You have 800 million people that play basketball. So the game just continues to grow. So it becomes harder to dominate when you have a larger pool size. I also feel like, oh, go ahead. Literally just listening to you guys for five straight minutes there is exactly why you should not debate the greatness. You should just appreciate oh, the greatness. But it is, it's a part of society today. Everyone has to debate. Everyone has to be right. But at the end of the day, what are you debating? Nothing yeah. can be compared. Well, I think it's hard to <clears throat> decade it's to hard decade to dominate the game now because there's no real position, right? Like what position does Giannis play? What position does Jokic play? Our no, forward. He yes, he is the four man. I mean, he's the four man, he's, he's a power but he forward. operates the offense like Draymond Green. But you would say he's the four man based on height, but is Jokic the center or is he just, or is he their point guard? I mean, he leads their team in assists. So that's what I'm saying. Like, the players now have to dominate the game. Like, Embiid, Jokic, and, and Giannis right now, 
dominate the whole game, which was harder to do back then. Like, for for instance, Shaq dominated the block where you had to double team, team him and he had shooters. Where do you dominate Joel and B from? I watched a lot of Philly. And, like, how do you dominate Jokic, who's, I think, third or fourth in assists in the game, and he's seven foot one in his proficient scoring? So, like, that's where I think the game has evolved to where – these players are super special. It's going to be hard to dominate the whole game of basketball for two, three, four, five years because now you're looking at John Morant, who's slender, and you'd be like, well, maybe somebody can post him up. But then he's playing with guys where he has the whole floor to himself. Jaron Jackson Jr. is shooting more threes, right? Then you have Desmond Bain. Then you have uh, Dylan Brooks. And now they like the game is evolving. And look at the Warriors, right? Like Draymond Green, 6'5", and can dominate the game defensively because you can't post him up. <laughs> and so I think the game has evolved in, in, a, in a good sense. But, yeah, I do get your point of, like, you know, for Bill and Wilt to, like, have to play. Like, imagine Jokic had to play Embiid nine times a year. What, what kind of stats are you getting, right? It just – And to add is. to your point, when you talk about it being somewhat of a positionless game, right? So even though these guys are, are, are more ball dominant, so a guy like Joker, a guy like uh, Embiid, these guys are, are, are dominating the basketball. And the tag of center is, is attached to his name. I mean, Joker still leads the – he's second in the league in rebounding. He still is the, the, the shot block leader on his team in Denver, right? So with that being said, even though my game is expanded, I'm still at the elite level as a five-man at doing what five men do. I'm still at the same thing with Giannis. I'm still at the elite level at the four spot at what four men do. Giannis is fourth in the fourth or fifth in the league in rebounding. Giannis is in the top ten in the league in blocks. He's still very much a dirty work guy, and he still does that, which is what the four man does. Only except he's just enhanced his game. So I do I do think that the the, the game has become a little less, a little more positionless. But these guys at the elite level, they still do what their position requires. So let's go from past to present when it comes to you just gave your top five overall. Who's your top five? Let's talk MVP conversation right now, today's game. Well, the first thing that we have to make sure we understand when we talk about the league MVP, because a lot of people just think that the league MVP is just a guy playing the best. Because if it's a guy playing the best, I mean, Ja is at the top of that list and playing the best, right? But what's most important with the league MVP is winning. When I think about a guy winning right now, Joel Embiid. I still think it's Giannis's award to lose, but Joel Embiid has a lot to say about that. I don't think Joker is 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 as close as you guys may think. And the reason why I say that is because understand this about Joker. Denver is sixth right now in the Western Conference. I want to rewind the clock back to the 1988-89 season. Michael Jordan, I think he had a better year that year than the year he won the league MVP, which is the 87-88 season. I thought he had a better season. He went 32-8-8. Eight and eight. In the process of him going 32-8-8, eight and eight, he never averaged that many points, rebounds, and assists again. Had 15 triple-doubles, and he took the Bulls the furthest they'd ever been. Well, they finished sixth that year in the East. He didn't sniff the league MVP. Magic won it going away. So when I look at what Joker is doing, as great as he is right now, the fact that they aren't winning, the fact that they have not won, well, the fact that they aren't winning. Well, wait, wait a second. Really? But, no, but again, and this was my argument, too, when I was trying to explain it to people. I'm like, look, look. If you don't understand NBA history, then you can't sit in this conversation and have it. You can't keep giving the MVP, and this is not a knock on Jokic, to any player that continues to finish sixth 
and because his statistics are better. And you're like, he doesn't have any help. And look, there's six. He's the most valuable player. I'm like, if we're just going off statistics, you typically the like, let's go look at the histories of the MVPs in the last like what 10 years. Steph Curry, best record MVP. Giannis, best record MVP. Steph Curry, best record MVP. Giannis, best record MVP. Derek Rose, best record MVP. LeBron James, multiple times, best record MVPs. And so now we're looking at statistics and saying that that's it. Part of the reason is because you look at Phoenix. They No one sees them as an MVP. They see them as a great team. Then you go and look at um, Miami currently. They don't have an MVP because they are the best. But then when you get to Joel Embiid and Jokic, their records are actually similar. So if your records are similar, mind you, the Eastern Conference is a better conference this year. So you, if you're trying to like do it via scale, that's one thing. So that makes is what makes it a little bit more more difficult to process because they have a similar record. Embiid has a better team. Jokic has better numbers. So that's where it gets it. And I'm just trying to tell people that keep arguing about Jokic. I'm like, dude, no one's questioning Jokic's greatness. But don't forget last year he was fourth in the conversation for MVP before everyone went down. LeBron James, number one. Embiid. Then you had Joel Embiid was up there because was his team finished number one, but he missed a ton of time at the end. Right. So then all of a sudden it becomes like he gets it because he played in all 82 games. He helped carry them with with um, with uh, Jamal Murray out. And now you're like, no, Jamal Murray and no Michael Porter Jr. Look at his stats. His stats are historic. But we're talking about the most valuable player is not the best player statistically. And it's not. And that's one of the reasons why. um Rachel Nichols used to always argue and say that, look, we need an offensive player of the year and we need an MVP because they are two statistically different things. And this is a year where those type of things get highlighted even more because statistically, Jokic is having a fucking absurd season. But is he the MVP? No one even has him going to a conference finals. And I don't think that they can make it that far. This episode of Road Trippin is sponsored by our friends at BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work, especially the most important one you can have in your life, your relationship with yourself. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does, and therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. Get started today, support the Road Trippin' crew, and enjoy 10% off your first month of services by visiting betterhelp.com slash roadtrippin'. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Our next partner has a product I'm personally using every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted more energy, a better immune system, and got tired of taking pills and vitamins. I wanted to see what all the hype was about, and now it's obvious. Every scoop of Athletic Greens tastes great and helps me feeling my best in the morning. I have the peace of mind knowing that I'm beginning every day with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, and even probiotics. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. 
That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash roadtrippin'. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Again, go to athleticgreens.com slash roadtrippin' and get started today. Where is Jason Tatum falling in this conversation, especially as of late? What? Low. I'm, no. Stop. Low. Just asking a Dude, question. Dude, there's... I don't He's mean, I don't month. mean, let me preface really He's quick. Let me months. preface really quick. I'm not talking about this year conversation, but is he approaching the conversation? Is he proving that he can be a part of the conversation? He's the next in year? line. He's in the Where's regular that? line. He's not yeah. in the VIP line. Luca and Ja are in. Yeah, in the regular line. Luca and not yet. Not yet. No, he will get but, there. He but, will get there. There's no doubt. Jason Tatum has future MVPs in his in I, in his in his career level. Shannon, oh. what, what, what's your issue with that? We're talking about a guy who before when Jalen Brown is out he's the lineup, he's thirty and eight. When Jalen when Jalen Brown he's is out stud. of the lineup, thirty and eight. Not only thirty right. and eight, and if this is year five for him. They've been to the conference final. This is who this guy is. Now you're probably going to get some better seasons after that, but. When you see what you see in year five, this is what you should expect. So I'm looking at a guy in Jason Tatum who I'm looking at about maybe 25, 26 and about seven, eight rebounds. I think that in the next year, maybe two years, he's definitely going to be in that conversation of league MVP. He's my favorite player under 25 of all the players that I have of all the years. He's my favorite player. I know how Jai is. I know how Zion, Trey Young, he's my favorite player under oh, 25. No, 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 no. I, I love him. Please do not put Zion with Trey Young, who's an all-star. No. Who does well for his team with Luca? With I mean, with Ja, I think it's different. Well, wait a minute though. Wait a minute though, Chan. And we talking about a guy who? I mean, we are talking about a guy who last year made the All Star team. He was twenty six and seven on sixty percent. So it's not like it's ridiculous. Before he got hurt this season, to think that he was on his, he was on his way to think he was on his way to going that way. So that's not ridiculous. But but like I said, Jason Tatum is my favorite player. Jamal McGlure made an All Star game one time too. Yes, he did. No, so don't, don't, don't once, do that. I'm don't not, do that. but don't for the that. argument, listen, for the argument, I think after the picture that came out of Zion, he looks good for Zion's body. He looks like he's in shape, right? For me, he he doesn't look like he looked at the beginning of the year. So hopefully he can get back to that. And he's on a better team now. I, I'm not big on applauding people for shit they are supposed to fucking do. <laughs> Motherfuckers, the number me, one. Me, me I'm neither. not. I'm not been like. Yeah, like like people are like, oh, Jokic came in such great shape. Yeah, like the fact that he came in out of shape multiple years <laughs> is not a, like, oh, he's in such great shape. Motherfucker, does he got another job? It's not 1965. He's not working fucking construction part time. Like what you the fuck? Taxi no, it's like yo, motherfuckers well, making. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Like Channing, you and I can both say that yeah. almost every NBA player has entered into a season when you're like okay, I need to tweak how I work out or I need to adjust yeah. my performance based off certain things. When I look at the young 25 guys, yeah, I think Jason Tatum is up there. John Morant is up there. Well, he's definitely up there. Um, like these guys, Luka. but Jason Tatum. But again, Luca. everyone's like, is Luca in the MVP conversation? Like, no, motherfucker. The first 60 games count too. The first 40 Dude, games count as the MVP. Oh. It's just a oh, truth. Okay, okay, like, okay. okay. So, time out there. I don't think if, if okay, that's okay, the okay. case. Allie, go ahead. If that's the case, then why at the end of last season were we all talking about Steph Curry being MVP? 
because of the last he 20 games. He had a ridiculous month. Whoa, 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 oh, okay, yeah, but you guys I literally just said, what about the first four but months he, of the season? But he didn't he get it. Good. He, he, did, he didn't get it. He Can didn't get it. leave out the fact that Steph Curry did lead the league in scoring the entire season. That is important to mention. Now, but, uh, it is, but remember, yeah. we said not all stats count the same, and no, where they were don't. they in the playoffs? So, right? And so that was what he's – Steph is Steph. Steph is on a different so – I was going to say, Steph is all the way out here. Steph I was for the conversation. Never, there are four yeah. players that I refuse to say anything bad about. Steph, Braun, <laughs> he's one. KD, and Giannis. Obviously not Giannis. Michael Jordan. No. Obviously not Michael <laughs> if Jordan. If I'm trolling, I got to get the Chicago people. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if I answered your question, but in, in, in order, I think that it's Giannis' award to lose. I think Embiid. I think uh, Ja and then Joker. I think those are the guys. And and had DeMar DeRozan, had that Bulls team continued to do what they were doing, we would ha- we'd have to keep him in that conversation. But they because he's basically held them together with glue and tape. They've been at the top of the Eastern Conference before, like maybe two weeks ago. They were at the top of the Eastern Conference one and two. And that was primarily due to that was primarily due to DeMar DeRozan. We're talking about a guy who at 26, 27 a game, the flip side to that is is that he had another guy on his team doing something similar to what he was doing but he was in and out of the lineup so that was the flip side to that but those are the guys that i think it's Giannis's award to lose i think Embiid, i think john i think joker can i say this about chicago and why i don't have DeRozan as high up as you do they are 0 and 13 versus the top three or four teams in the nba so the cream the cream of the crop rises and now obviously it's injuries obviously there's a lot of things new team i get it i still think chicago has a puncher's chance of going to the eastern conference finals but they got to get hot but i watched the game i forgot who they were playing the other night and neither DeRozan or zach levine or vooch were making plays that made me feel comfortable in really relying on them in crunch time situations now i say that jamar DeRozan at the beginning of the year had those end of the games but I think one of them was versus Indiana, which is a blow-up team. And I think the other one was what, like Sacramento at home, right? I think that's who it was, maybe. So they were like, you are have to win game winners versus teams that you should be beating the crap out of, right, that are now blown up. So I like Chicago. I like Chicago next year and the year after. But this year, I feel like why DeRozan is not top five for me is because they can't beat he can't beat the best of the best. The only reason why he's uh, also top five is because Chris Paul got hurt. Had Chris Paul not been hurt, Chris yeah. Paul is absolutely in that conversation as a top five absolutely. league MVP candidate. I think Jaws out for the exact reason that Richard mentioned about, you know, the first 60 games matter. You can't really sell me the league. You're, you're the league MVP when your team is 10 games over 500 when you're out the lineup. You can't really sell me that. As good as you oh, are. They are nice. Uh, let's way. make sure that we clear on that. I mean, they, they got one of the better defensive teams in the game. They got one of the better offensive teams in the game. They got one of the better transition teams in the game. They got one of the better coaches in the game. Absolutely. So you have a difficult time. As good as Jai's been playing, selling me that you're the league MVP when your team is rolling without you. So, Look, there are questions all over the league that I can present to you guys, but I also want to give you, Jermaine, a chance to ask these guys two questions or or. Take the floor. It is yours. RJ, I'm in, I, I'd like to ask you, RJ, because I've, I've seen you a couple of times. Who is the most disappointing team that you've seen this season? Well, look, we're not going to reference the Lakers. Like, that's <laughs> that's an obvious. Honestly, that's an obvious. They've been absolutely tragic. Um, I think the most disappointing team, if I had to pick one, hmm, 
it's between the Knicks and it's between Atlanta. Those two teams, right? Like those two teams. I understand the importance of Derrick Rose, and that's been very, very difficult. But the fact that they have leaned so heavily on Derrick Rose gives you some insight, right? Like, come on, let's be respectful. Like D Rose is a great dude, but like if you're leaning that heavily on a on a on a veteran player, that that shows some things. I, I think the, the Atlanta, they paid everyone. And guys just haven't performed at the level. And they played well in the second half of the season. So did the Knicks. They both played well in the second half of the season. So it was like you were kind of reserving judgment, like kind of hoping that they would pull what Boston did. Boston, like basically since January 1, like they were, people were talking about trading, you know, you know, Jalen Brown and all the stuff with the Celtics, but slowly but surely. And those guys had a brand new coach. So they actually had a, Boston had an excuse to kind of start off slow, getting acclimated to the new roles and the new expectations for their coach and what their coaches want. Atlanta brings back the same coach. The Knicks bring back the coach of the year. All of these things happen. And then lo and behold, they have never made any sort of improvement or push. The Knicks went and got Evan Fournier, Kimba Walker. I'm not going to even reference that because Kimba Walker is is respectfully like a little bit, you know, his knee is messed up. But Atlanta re-signed a bunch of guys. So everybody was thinking for, and it's like, dude, all you got to do is be, Six, seven, four. You don't have to be have a great season, but just a season in which you're you're maintaining a level of respectability and you're becoming a perennial playoff team with the idea if we add this piece, if we have a little bit more health, maybe we can make a legitimate run. But I think Atlanta has probably been the most disappointing team with the Knicks very, very close behind. How about you, Channing? Uh, I think it is Atlanta. It's not even close. And here's why I say that. So you would say... Atlanta got hot at the right time and teams got injured. So Atlanta going to the Eastern Conference Finals was a fluke, and we see that now. But Atlanta, I think, was fourth last year. So you would say teams have gotten better, right? And I got my little my little standings here. So <laughs> Brooklyn's been Brooklyn's been in turmoil. I thought Atlanta should be above Charlotte, which they're not. Toronto's had an up and down year, but they still battle. Cleveland took off. So you would like like Richard saying, guys. you there's no reason Boston is just now after the new year balling, and I'm going to talk about them in a second, dude. Atlanta, you're telling me you can't be five, six, or seven in the Eastern Conference? I had to mess six. Is ridiculous. Like what happened after, go, after going to the conference finals? Did the bag weigh the boat down? That's what I think. Right? It's like everyone wanted this money. Oh, we're this or that, and they the bag weighed the boat down. They can't get out. They can't get off the dock and no one have respect. Like Charlotte is iffy and up and down. They're amazing. I think they're like number one in offense and like number 30 in defense. So that's 50 50. And then Brooklyn has had more turmoil, right? Than I think any other team except for the Lakers. And Toronto just plays good basketball every night. Defensively, they're ridiculous and Van Bleet's having a career year. So like, come on, Atlanta. You got Trey Young, Collins. You got all these great pieces and you can't, how do you get worse defensively with Nate McMillan? Are you just tired of practicing? <laughs> like I play with Nate, the, the, the general. He's no joke. Why do you think I had to get traded to Phoenix? I said, fuck that noise. <laughs> I've always wanted to know this, RJ, because you made it, you, 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 you were in a press conference in game five of the NBA finals. And you had said in 2017 that if they're going to win this series, they got to do it today because they do not want to see us back out here in game seven. And that was not your opinion. That was a fact. They didn't. What was the energy like for you guys in 2016 after you guys won game five? And now we have a series and 
It's now the series after come not you're not you're not even coming back from three one. You just won game five, which they were supposed to win. And now we got a series and some momentum. What's the energy like there? Well, and look, I I this is what I've always told people, and I've said it multiple times. Our energy was always like, if we can win game five, anything can happen. Channing will back mm. me up. And then we got help. We got some no, 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 no. Cause my thing was like, if we win game five. It's yeah. going to go to oh, seven. Yeah. That was always my energy. In game seven, anything could happen. That was always my energy. Yeah. Allie, what do you say? But I also think as an observer and a sideline reporter during that time, that's not what you guys gave off. That's not how you walked around. That wasn't your approach on the airplane. That wasn't your approach going into shoot arounds the day before, the practice sessions before, LeBron walking around with sunglasses on and uh, the ultimate warrior, not the ultimate warrior, but whatever shirt that was that time. The attitude and the approach you guys gave was not if we can win. You guys went in there like No, no, we went in there, but we went in there with the mindset we can win, but it was yes. more of like, look again, you're still playing against Steph Curry. If Steph Curry just has one of those Steph Curry Steph guys, play, ain't shit anybody Andre. can do. Same with Braun, same with Kyrie, but it all depends. Yeah, so it all depended. And basically, (laughs) basically, Kyrie and Braun had those nights, 41 apiece. So it's cool. We knew we were like game six. I'm not going to say we were 100%, but we were about nine. We knew we blew them out in game three. Game four, we felt like we let that one get away. Like we made some mistakes. We were up eight, I think, in the second half. So we were like, we felt like we had an opportunity, but respect to them, no disrespect. So our whole thing was more of like, we got to win game five. And we knew we got, and when, when I say we got some help, we got some help. You know, Draymond and his antics got him suspended. And Draymond went went to, he was, I think, at the A's game waiting for his team to win. And he was going to come over and celebrate with his team after they won. Obviously, we were able to get a win. But going back for game six, that's when I saw the greatest crowd that I've ever seen in the history of sports that I've been involved with, that I've been involved with. I've never seen a, an arena packed. And I played in, I think, 10 or 11 playoff, like team, like 10 or 11 playoff seasons. I've never seen a place packed 45 minutes before the game started. I've never seen a crowd stand up for two and a half hours. Now, like, you know, student section stand up where these were grown people oh, standing up chills. for the entire game, for the entire game. And then that's when Steph Curry gets frustrated. He throws his mouthpiece. Everyone's like, and at that point in time, we know they're rattled. But I don't mean that it means something, but we're still going back. We're still going back. And then for all the people who say, well, he's not like Braun wouldn't have 41 if Draymond was playing shit. That motherfucker went for 41 again in game six. <laughs> now, so games, and I think Braun was doing that to send a message. So now game seven, we understand sports. Anything can happen, right? So our job was to force a game seven and hope that something crazy happened. And I wouldn't say anything crazy happened, but it just ended up being the best game of the series. Like, again, we play that exact same series 10 times. They might win six. We might win four, right? Like, we play that exact same series 10 times and we're down 3-1. We might not win again, right? We might not have to be able to beat them three times in a row. So it was just more of just like, it was all of the fucking shit. Andrew Bogut getting hurt. Uh, Iggy, Iggy. But people that were like, oh, this is why. And it was like, no. Don't forget that 
we were sweeping teams in the Eastern Conference. They were struggling to get through. They were down 3-1 to Oklahoma City. So then they have to expend so much energy while we're rested and stretching and working on our bodies just mentally. They're down 3-1. They're down 3-1. So then all of a sudden, they had to play 14 games over a two-series span. Seven games against Oklahoma City, seven games against us. We didn't have to do that. Those extra games ultimately broke down their bodies. They started getting fatigued. So all of that stuff, like a accumulated and so like don't tell us oh draymond's suspension it's like well uh the 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 you guys being down three one oklahoma city probably affected you eight nine days later right having to like play your death line affected draymond too yeah that's but (laughs) but that's what i'm saying that i i think it wasn't just about our series it was also about the series prior because they had to spend a lot of energy because remember i think steph got hurt and so they had to spend a lot of serious like energy trying to beat portland then they were down 3-1 to kd like think about that intensity you trying to beat kd and russ and those bad boys and you're down 3-1 now you know hindsight's 2020 you can understand why i think it's more so could you guys imagine going to play another series the nba finals after playing that series down 3-1? Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no. No. I was trying to retire. Dude. I was trying to retire after this yeah, shit. What are you talking so, about? It was, it, was, it was one of the most... When I think about great series, I think about the 92 Eastern Conference semifinals when the Bulls and the Knicks, when the Bulls could have possibly gotten bounced. I think about I think about that series with you guys, which, which is at the top of my list as favorite series that I've ever seen. I got actually... I got actually asked to stay late for work that day and i was like you don't have to fire me today because i'm out of here i'm letting you know that right now game seven is at seven o'clock tonight you're gonna have to fire me because i am not missing that so you're gonna have to figure it out because i'm gone the high level of not only coaching but for like imagine this mo williams did not play in any almost any other series and ty lue had the nuts to put him in this this series for like a five minute stretch, the same with Dante Jones, and they had huge impacts for a coach to go, okay, I've only played eight this series. Let me go get 11 and 12 real quick. And then they make such a huge impact. Like the adjustments between Richard starting, because Sean Livingston was killing us on the block. I think the first two games, right? People forget about that. When Richard started, Right. Richard would come out early and Kevin came off the bench, I think. And then Richard went in and was guarding Sean Livingston. So they couldn't run that post up play. Then obviously Bogut getting hurt. People forgot Bogut's screens. Number one were nasty. Every time you went to the scorers table, Channing, what happened? Oh, dude, me. So Steve <laughs> Kerr's my guy and he's a dick. <laughs> so every time I go to the scores table, when Barajal would go in, Steve would immediately take Barajal out and put Andre Guadalla or Harrison Barnes. And then T. Lou would be like, I'm sorry. He, I'm like, I'm not guarding Andre. Fuck, he's like a point guard. What am I <laughs> no, doing? No, but but that's but it's that's where nutty. you. But that's where you. But that's where you see. But that's where you see the chess moves. And so you know, again, talking about great coaching, uh, I want to talk about coach of the year. And now this is why I have JB Bickerstaff oh, as the coach of the year. Mine too. And it's 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 for this reason. When people say, "Well, Monty's done a great job. Monty has done a great job," and this is the same as the MVP. Just because you're saying this is the person and why you're voting for him doesn't mean that the other person hasn't done an A plus plus job. Monty, uh, Monty. Obviously, they bring back all their team. They bring back all their guys. JB Bickerstaff lose Colin Sexton to uh, to an ACL. Right, started the season. 
Then they have Ricky Rubio's who are having an outstanding. Now they bring in Laurie Markinen. They bring they draft Evan Mobley, but they also they also traded for Jared Allen. He's like, well, geez, I got three seven footers. Fuck it, let's play them all and let's let's develop sets. Let's develop a game plan. Let's develop a defensive identity and an offensive identity for something that has not been done in about fifteen years. It's the it hasn't been done in about fifteen to twenty years where you're playing two. Yeah, you're playing two seven footers, three seven footers, but you also have a pace that you're trying to keep up. So now you're trying to teach Jared Allen how to be a stud. Your Darius Garland no longer has Ricky Rubio because Ricky Rubio tore his ACL. You convince Kevin Love, like, you know, a potential Hall of Famer, like he's, you know, potential, like to come off the bench. And then you start Evan, but like all Isaac of these Okoro's things are not traditional. Oh, well, injury. Isaac and Coro, all of these things went into that for JB Bickerstaff. And they have been a consistent team. This isn't they got hot second half of the season, they've been top six. All season long. Can you long. give a six-place team coach of the performance. year? Dude, listen. Yes. Yes. Look at the injuries yes. he's had. Now, Absolutely. Jared Allen's been hurt. Darius Garland missed time. Ricky Rubio, right? Lori Market had that nasty ankle. Like, for me, it's about how quickly you can establish a winning culture. For, for Darius Garland and Jared Allen to have potential, and then for them to reach that potential in a year and win consistently, shows that the culture is coming not only from the upper management, but from the coach, and he's instilling confidence. If you look at some of the guys that come off the bench, no offense to anybody, some of those guys are playing out or shooting out of their range now. Like they are being above and beyond themselves because they're embracing their role, right? If you look at Evan Mobley, he makes great mistakes. He makes I'm learning the game of basketball mistakes. And look at Jared Allen. The tenacity that he plays with, the leadership, allowing Kevin to speak so that even though his role is diminished, he's still respected as that leader. Look at Ricky Rubio was having 30-point triple-doubles at the beginning of the year. How quickly they forget. Rondo's been hurt. And then you now bring in another. That's your fourth guard you've had to bring in. And they battled all this. And, and for a young team to not have these big highs and lows, they've lost games they shouldn't have. But for this team with injuries, new expectations, and then make the all-star game. Obviously, Evan Mobley is probably going to be rookie of the year. And then you have, you have all these things that individual awards has not taken away from the team, team's tenacity to try to win each game. It's wild to me. And I don't remember the last time I saw it, except maybe in the 2014 Suns where he won 48 games, but that's it. OG, who's your top, who's your top two? Who's your top two, OG? Rookie of the year, you mean? Top two. No, the coaches. top two for uh, coach of uh, the year. Exactly who you said. You said Bickerstaff, and I'm going to throw a name at you. Yeah. I think Spo has done a great job in Miami for what they've been doing. He's absolutely a guy that I think. If you read any comments, whether it's on our podcast, whether it's on Twitter, just in general, Heat fans are fuming. They don't feel like they're getting the respect that they deserve. And you throw Spo in there. What are you seeing from Miami? To backtrack just a little bit, by show of hands, how many people had Cleveland making the playoffs? Oh, show? I did the play in, though. I had him at 10 or not. No, play-in is not the playoffs. The play-in no. is not the yes, playoffs. Don't no, put your hands down. Put your, No. Shannon, let's be clear about one thing. You have 82 games to make the playoffs. If you are a 10th place team, you are not a playoff team. Let's dead That's that not true. right now. I'm they changed that. the rule well, because we know how he feels is. about the Lakers. They changed the rule <laughs> because of my that. team. Chan, Chan, we won 48 Chan, games. We were tied with Memphis and Chan, Dallas, and we didn't make the playoffs. Okay. Channing. 
But but no, but I'm saying, Channing, if for teams that are in the tenth or ninth spot, if the tenth spot wins a game, like Channing, that is like if you make the play in and then you lose like, at the tenth spot, like the play in is not the playoffs. I view this, I view as one through six as playoffs, and then everybody else is in the play in. And then if they're in the seventh or eighth, then I will say this: they made the playoffs via the play in. Right. Like if you're in the NCAA, yeah, if you're in the NCAA, that's how it needs to be. There needs to be a context to how you made the playoff. One through six are in. Chad, in the 10th place team or the 11th place team, that's one game out of the 10th spot. is not a potential playoff team. No, absolutely not. So when I look at this Cleveland team and I look at everything that they've done, right, when I look at Okoro, who I wasn't really I wasn't a big fan of that marking signing. I wasn't really big a big fan of that initially because I thought that he was gonna he was basically gonna slow down the development of Okoro, but it's actually worked with Okoro coming off the bench and being that energy guy that they need. Nobody has benefited more from a vet than Garland has with Ricky Rubio. And then to get Rondo in there helped him even more, right? Because now he's a guy who I equate what he's going what what's going on with him. With, with, with Rondo and both with Ricky Rubio, I equate that with what was going on with Cat in Minnesota where he needed Kevin Garnett for those two years. The guy that he became, he became that primarily because Garnett stayed around for those two years. Had Garnett not been around to show him the pro game, it was I don't know if he would have been that guy. But when I look at Cleveland, they didn't one of the better teams defensively. Evan Mobley, I think he's on pace to be, since Tim Duncan, the first rook to make the all-league defensive team since Tim Duncan. I think he's on pace to do that. I don't think that we've seen that since then. Now, when I look at, to Ali's point, when I look at this Miami Heat team, one thing that I think about more than anything with this Miami team, for lack of a better term, they lock ass more than anything. They lock ass. If they don't do it, they don't do anything. They lock ass. If they don't have a lot of star power, that's, which, would, which would explain why we haven't seen much from them. We, we, we don't talk about them much. You don't really care too much about what's going on with Jimmy Butler. Bam is more of a, he's a really good, he's a, he's, he's a great player. I think Bam is a great player. And what I would like to see, Channing, what I would really like to see is I'd love to see Miami to get a five man. So we can move Bam over to the four because he reminds me of a, he's, he's more of an athletic version of Buck Williams. That's who he reminds me of. And if we can move him over to the four, oh, I think that he would be absolutely awesome. But this Miami Heat team, just so you know, Allie, they're number one in the league in defensive field goal percentage. They're number one in the league against the three. They're number they're in the top three in the league against against assists. That means that you're getting nothing on the perimeter. When you see teams that are averaging a lot of assists, that means that there's not a lot of ball pressure on the perimeter. But when you see these guys in Miami doing what they're doing, that means that it's a lot of that going on. Now, I think the difference with they them... They force you to play one-on-one. Absolutely. Yeah, just for people to understand, if, if someone does, if a team doesn't have a ton of assists, either they play one-on-one, that's why Portland was very low on an assist with the Dame and CJ era, and then conversely, to add to your point, sorry, just to explain to people that don't understand, if a team is good at limiting assists... That means they force you to play a brand of basketball that's not ball movement. They force you to dribble, to play one-on-one. And if you're a good defensive team, one-on-one is what you want. To your point, too, OG with Coach Spo, they have accomplished all of this all season with Jimmy having played 46 games, Lowry having only played 35 games, Tyler Hero having played only 54 games. I mean, the system is it. For the pieces that they have. You can have a system, if, but everyone stars in their role. You can have any type of system. You can have Nintendo, Sega. Yeah, but you know that, you know that Spose system is different. Yeah, but you embracing know that system the system and being ready in the system. Touche. 
the second round yeah, picks you, that yeah, they got are yeah. balling. You don't go to Miami unless you're embracing that bitch. You, yeah, there is no. Or you don't have a job elsewhere. Oh, yeah. We are about to wrap this up. So your final thoughts. My final thoughts are more of like, look, Spo, the, it's like, the coach of the year is very similar to MVP this year. I think there's only one award that is already <laughs> locked. You're fine. I think there's only one award that is already locked up, and that is six man of the oh, year. God. And that's by Tyler Hero. It's locked up. So there is no conversation about that. But, but by far, like he should be a starter. Like he's he's a guy that's probably like just a little bit away from potentially being considered an all-star. So like when you're that good and like the shots that he shoot. Oh, right. No, I know, but I'm saying, but there's a difference between all-star numbers and being that dude that is an all-star that's carrying a team. I don't think he's quite there yet. And he's still only in his third year. So I don't know. I think coach of the year um, is a very, very tight race. I still think JB Bickerstaff with a team that had zero expectations for them. He, he developed two all-stars and a rookie of the year and played a unique brand of basketball. I think that's why he's number one. But after that, I think MVP is up, but I think people are falling so much love and so much love with statistics this year. And Jokic is going to win it. In my opinion, I think Jokic is going to win it statistically, but I just, not that I don't like it for him. I just think that like the goalposts keep changing based off criteria because the last six MVPs have always been guys that are having great statistical seasons on a top two or a number one team. And now that he's in sixth, having a better statistical year than he had the year before, like he's had more triple doubles, he's averaging more points, all of this stuff. And people are like, the MVP is not just about statistics. But then when you point to the second place guy, if you're saying Embiid, Embiid's numbers aren't better and his record isn't that much better. But that just goes us back to the old eye test that we've been trying to use for the last 25 years. Here's the problem though, Richard. The problem is, is that when you look at the league MVP in the last since the 75 76 season right we're talking over 46 years 47 years Jabbar and Russell Westbrook are the only team are the only players who've been on a team that finished fourth or lower that won the league MVP and they gave it to Russ in the 16 17 season on the premise that he led the he was he he averaged a triple double Oscar Robertson he averaged up, yeah. a triple double well the problem that they that problem that they ran into was Russ ended up averaging a triple double <laughs> three more times so wait a minute that means we got to give it to him three more times well wait a minute we can't do that so now we got to get back to what this was originally about which was the league MVP it's about winning so your 27 14 and 3 on a seventh place team is not more valuable than my 23 13 and 4 on a first place team it doesn't work that way because now what you're doing is you diluting what the league MVP is is it the most valuable player is it the best player is it the most valuable player on the best team which one is it so now you, you've completely skewed the criteria so I think that they stick with that I think the problem is that no one knows what okay. the criteria is anymore <laughs> with that said we uh it's individual each <laughs> exactly yeah. uh, we got to wrap this up unfortunately I feel like we could go on and on That's with what, you you're awesome um, we will certainly have you back. Check him out. Jermaine, the OG, CHLTWN32 on TikTok, Chilltown Hoops on YouTube, anywhere else they can find you. Absolutely. On Chilltown, on YouTube, YouTube and uh, TikTok. That's it. Yes, absolutely. That's that's where I am. And that's then you have your two me. podcasts. I do. Uh, sports Behavior. Sport, sports Behavior is on Twitch on Friday nights live and also um, my podcast on YouTube. It's on uh, Tuesday. It's on Wednesdays and Fridays with my man Tone. Jermaine, the OG, okay. uh, that is him. Uh, road trip and fans, if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you have a question for the show, call or text us anytime, 657-522-5578. That is 657-5-CALL-RT. Until next time, it's another edition of Road Trippin'. Thanks so much. 